I want to take you to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So I, I read a lot of scriptures at the very beginning because I want you to get an idea of what is happening or what's being said. So you don't just take one scripture, you hear the whole context of it. The book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. When you have it, say amen. All right, we have it up in the projector. Praise God. The word of God reads as such. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. This is the Lord speaking. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And you have found them to be liars. And, but, and you have, and have not become weary. For those of you who don't know what the word weary means, it means to become fatigued, exhausted, to give up on something that you have been, you know, long-term doing. Verse 4 says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, for where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Verse 6, but this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, a group that was in that time. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To whom who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You may have your seats giving glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I've entitled today's message, The Loveless Church. And when I first came upon this part of the chapter of scripture uh, I thought to myself you know this title is very captivating um, the loveless church most of people that are going to follow this and see this the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the loveless church is that yeah you know that we as a church lack the loving of God to others that's probably the first thing that came to your mind when you hear when you hear about the Thank you. When you hear about the loveless church, you're thinking right off the bat, this must be, you know, that we don't show enough love as a church. But I've come to tell you today that that is not the type of loveless we are talking about. Hallelujah. We find another letter where, we, you know, where the, the word of God is, Jesus is speaking, the Lord is speaking. And he's speaking to these, the church of Ephesians. And the Ephesian church worked hard. I know you've put some time. You've, you've put some time into the ministry. You've put some work into it. You've done some good things here on earth. And I see your works that you're doing some good things. And, and you're, you're getting very good at discernment. And when you, we talk about discernment, meaning you can tell who's of God and who's not of God. Okay? Best way to put it is there are the word of God speaks about false prophets. False prophets are those that say, I belong to Jesus. I am the Messiah or I am a God or, or I, am, I am, you know, one with God and, and they're completely false. 
But they claim it, and they may have some miracles they do, and they may do things that may make you think, hey, well, yeah, he's doing all this stuff. He might be truly of God. But the fruits always show something different. Your spirit will always discern if it's embedded in Christ. You will know what's of God and what's not of God. How do you know that? Where do we get it from? The word of God. Amen? Simple as that. But he's speaking to the Ephesian church. The Lord is talking. And he mentions that he has seen how they, how they have been patient and how they have labored for his name's sake. Meaning God is telling him, I've seen everything that you've done for my name. Doesn't that sound like today's church? Don't we want to kind of pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm serving God and I'm doing it great. And I have go to church every Sunday and I, I say my prayers. And, and, you know, and we want an applause. We want us to be like, give yourself a pat on the back. And, and God in this moment is he's commending them saying good job you're doing that and then he says and you didn't grow weary you're not fatigued you're not tired you're not exhausted so at this point you might be thinking pastor what's that's good isn't that what we want we want God to say hey I'm proud of you and yes we do want him to say we're, that he's proud of us but then the Lord speaks of this zeal, this high zeal for the ways of the Lord. And that these people, the church of Ephesians in the time, that they hate evil. We hate evil because we know it's contrary to what the word of God says. Right? You see these posts up there and it might kind of bother you a little bit. Um, you see people, you hear people talk about it and I hate God and I don't love God. And how can there be a God? Because, you know, all that. And that's okay. They're entitled to their feelings because perhaps God has not yet come to them to reveal themselves to who he is in their life. Or maybe they've been so hardened in their heart that they've not accepted Christ. But here is what's going on. We are in the church time, even though that this, this letter was written in the book of Revelation to a church in Ephesian, there are still morals that you have to understand. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are godly morals, which means morals are things that we're supposed to do without having to read in here necessarily and say, you got to continue doing this, continue doing that. If God doesn't like, um, let's give an example. If God does not like you to lose control of your mind, then, then drugs is definitely not something that God would approve. Even though in the word of God it says, you know, you know, it might not say drugs literally or alcohol literally or, or what, you know, adrenaline rushes that put your life on edge, you know, playing Russian roulette or something like that with a gun. If it's, it, what I'm trying to say is that if it's not literally in there, doesn't mean it's not immoral. There are morals that we have to go by. And this is one of the situations that we come into this church that is known as the loveless church. Hallelujah. We have come into a time where we know God is coming and is coming soon for his church. And the reason I say that is because we find ourselves in some one of the days of the Ephesians where the world all around them has started to change, sister. They, it started to change in a way where they, this, this people, these people were serving God and they were praising God and they were going forward. But all around them in the world. World, chaos was happening things were happening they were worshiping other gods they weren't worshiping the true god not the people in ephesians but the people all around them at that time and i believe that we're dealing with that today because if you haven't woken up to see news every part of the news is something that's not good and in your mind you're thinking oh my gosh this is getting worse and worse it's going to get worse amen but there are morals that we carry over from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And, and, and this is where the Lord starts. He started giving me something and he said, you know, I, 
And I want you to know this. That while God was super happy with them, while he was, you know, praising their, what they did well, just like you and I could probably say today, hey, God's pleased with me because I keep serving him. And that's important to know that God is pleased with you once you've given your life to Christ. But something happens along the way in, on your, in your walk with Christ. Something happens. We become comfortable. We become complacent. We become okay with the status quo. What's normal for everybody should be normal in the church, right? Because that's what everybody wants us to believe. And that's what the Ephesians ran into. They started noticing that the world around them was changing. And it was changing in a weird way that they knew that they didn't honor God. But they were so good at calling out people and saying, you're not of God. I know you're not of God. They knew the word so much, but yet they were so far from it. Because he tells them, he begins to reprimand them. And in the midst of the recognition, God says, you've lost your first love. You've lost your love for your first love, if you want to say it like that. You've lost something in the process, the, the whole working of it, the whole re religious relationship, the whole, you know, you being here in church and everything that you've done has been of your own works. But you've lost the true foundation of who I am in your life. You've lost the true love that you had for me. I'm going to touch up on something. This is going to kind of get your mind thinking. It's interesting. You're going to probably be like, oh, he's going to go there. Look, I, I have a word to deliver, and I will deliver it according to the word of the Lord. And um, so you heard about this Kanye West thing, right? Kanye West, Justin Bieber. They're making headlines right now. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, where are you going with this, Pastor? Because depending on what side I choose, I'm going to look at you in a different way. Look, let me just tell you this. I don't doubt who God will put and who, who he can use. God is not limited by man. God could pick somebody off the street who doesn't look like somebody God would use, and he'll use them for the honor. But we are told to test the spirits. To know the fruits by a tree. To know the tree by a fruit. To know what it is going on out there. I haven't done enough research. I don't know. I do, I do with all my heart feel that if Kanye West and all these people that are coming, you know, that are known for being in the secular movement, in the not in the godly movement, you know, if they're truly repenting and they're coming to Christ, praise God. Praise God. Because it wasn't too long ago that you and I maybe were Kanye West at one point in time. Just without the fame. So I tell you this because here's where I'm going with that. Not everything that comes out and says, hey, this is of Jesus. Hey, this is of God. This is of God. This is of God. Hey, God is doing this. God is, is always going to be the truth. But we are to wait. We are to weigh it off the word of God. We can only hope that, hey, Kanye is really being sincere and he changes life because he has a lot of influence. So I will say that, that I believe that our job in the last end days, the Lord says, is to not to just assume, but to test the spirit. So time will tell. But I will tell you my position on that is if God can do it, he will do it. And he's going to use whoever. And it doesn't matter what we think. We'll know. And we'll be praying for that. Amen. So in the midst of these Ephesians, in the midst of what's going on here in the Revelation, God has had just, he just starts to reprimand them. And he starts telling them that they're doing good for discernment, for identifying false prophets. But he begins to tell them that they've forgotten their first love. 
And I think that is so relationship-wise, so related to where we are at today. I believe there is a message for the body of Christ, not just in this church, but for the body of Christ saying, we need to return back to the first love. We need to get back to loving God. Where coming to church isn't an option anymore. Where it's, it's, a, it's a desire that says, man, I got to get in the house of the Lord with people who worship with, uh, in the Lord. I want to get together. I want to go there. Not because I want to go to religious establishment to say I'm a part of a religion. But to go because I really want to feel God. I really want to hear someone say amen when I say God is good. Because as human beings, we need that social touch. We need someone to be like, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You look good. Thanks. We need that. We're humans. We have to feed our ego at times. Right? We have to get past the moment the church has to understand that it's no longer. You see, a lot of us. A lot of us, I'm going to go here on this because I've seen it everywhere. A lot of us have become so used to the routine that church is just a routine. No longer do you come here to serve God, but really to say, God, I have a need. I need some prayer. I'm going to ask that the elders of the church pray for me so that a healing takes place or so that something happens in my life. We come thinking, oh, it's just another thing, another Sunday, another dime, another dollar. And I believe that this is where the Ephesians find themselves in, in this point of scripture. They start feeling that they're, they get comfortable. They start accepting some status quos. They start thinking that church is more about just the fashion, the, the show, the how many people I can fill up in the seats and, and how, how good we can look at doing it and, and what we got to have to do this. And God's not interested in that. What he wants is someone that says, man, I don't have it all together. I'm, I'm kind of messed up right now. I, I just need you to come here, pray with me so that my life gets better. I believe that we are living in a loveless church mentality at times. That is, the, As the body of Christ, that we're so used to what everyone else is telling us is okay. But we can't spend no more than 10 minutes. You'll spend time with them. Right? For all my relationships out there. Right, brother? You love, you know, you love this Joanne. You're going to spend time with her, right? Brother Monroe, right? You, I've seen your Facebook posts. They're professing some good love, you know. You want to spend time with that person, right? Because that's love. How much time do we give to God? Because if we love God as much as he loved us, man, we, we would... We would not have anyone else in our life. I'll tell you that. And it's not wrong to love the person that God has given you or somebody that God is introducing you to already. But he has to be our first love. So that our church and the body of Christ that makes up the church doesn't become loveless. To where we forget that in the whole process of having church is a relationship with God. But pastor, why does God get mad at him? I thought God is all of love, and he is. But the book of Proverbs chapter 3 verse 12 tells me, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Just as a father, the son in whom he delights. What I just read to you is the way of the Lord saying, Look, you're like my kid. You're my kid. You're my child. Sometimes I'm going to have to discipline you. Does that mean I don't love you? No. I love you. 
But the Lord chastises those he loves. Amen? If you think I'm kidding, it's, I just read scripture to you. Proverbs 3.12, write it down. You can go back and look at it. But he's getting on to these, these Ephesians, these people at Ephesus, because they left their first love. And, and, and the word, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Hallelujah. We can't love the Lord your God with all your heart when we're having an adultery relationship with something in the world. I love God. I'm going to serve my whole life. What else do you serve? What else do you give to everybody else but God? Soon, this is why I'm, this is, the word has, has come even stronger now. And, and in the last days, the word of God said that he would pour out his spirit. And that young people and young men and women would have visions and they would prophesy and they would, they would see and know things. That's happening. And this isn't kind of like one of those, oh, I'm telling you a spooky story. It's not a spooky story. It's a reality of what will come. The book of Luke chapter 10 verse 27 says, and answering, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. We have to get back to loving God. Where God is first in our relationships, where God is first in our houses, where God is first in our churches, where God is first. And when the moment we begin to speak to somebody, we still have to show the love of God to somebody. That's a part of loving somebody. That's a part of loving God. Hallelujah. And here God is telling this church of Ephesians, you've lost your love for me. You're doing so good at the things that aren't meant to be just normal duties. But the one thing that I need from you is to love me the way I loved you. They're so caught up with culture. They're so caught up with what's going on around them that they begin to let things happen. Our churches, some of our churches nowadays in the body of Christ have allowed things to happen in the church that God would have never accepted. Hallelujah. But because it's status quo, it's the norm, we accept it. And yet we cover it with God's grace and say, God, God, God's grace covers all that. God will always have grace on people. But he didn't die on the cross so that we can continue living in sin. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins so that we would be broken from the curse. That we would no longer be a slave. Lifestyle that does honor God. The relationship that God seeks from you is a pure one that says, God, you are my first in everything that I do. Before my wife, you're first. Before my children, you're first. Before myself, it is you. The loveless church must understand that you can't just love God for everything he gives you. I was like, I was debating on whether to say this, but it's the only way, you know, I have to be real sometimes. And people are, are, sometimes be, are offended when I'm real, when I just give it real talk. But it's, it's the only way to express the reality of what it is. I thought about this and I said, God, how many times do we treat you like a one night stand? Hear me out before we jump it out of context. What, is, what does that mean? Means that when we want something, when we need something, oh man, we spend all the time with God. Because we know that at the end of it all, He's gonna give us something. But after it's after we're done, God's given it to us, boom. I'll call you in a few weeks. 
and we begin to serve God. We begin to love God because of everything he provides, because of everything he gives us. And, and, and we become like a one-night stand. And, and I say that respectfully, that we just give our time at that one moment and that one session, and then we're done. And then we don't want anything with God for a little bit until another problem comes. And, hey, I, I need to go back to God again. And we begin to become like an abuse of a use and abuse relationship. Because the only time God's important to, a, the, you know, to our way of thinking at times is, is when, we, when we begin to receive something from him. If we know there's a blessing, what about the time when God just wants to have a conversation with you? You cannot just love God for everything that he gives. You can't. And, and you have to love him for who he is. I, was, I, I thought about this, too. I was like, you know, God, I think sometimes we treat you like a sugar daddy, you know? Like, hey, Jesus, God, I need something. Can you give it to me? And God's like, man, I love you. I, I, really, want, don't, I really don't think you deserve it. No, come on, God, please, God. Please, I've been waiting my whole life for this. I need this man. I need this woman. Please, God. And we give, we give and God's like... You're going to struggle, but I'm going to allow some things to happen. And we think of God as a sugar daddy, as, as a, you know, we kind of just only when we need him. We don't love him because of who he is. We love him because of what he gives. And I hope you're getting, you're getting something because I, I know that this message is speaking to somebody that you, we have to return back to the place where the word of God said where you had fallen. Why was that so important for them to say that? If God is telling them, return to the place where you had fallen to that time. Because that time when we fell at one point in our lives, we, were, we had no choice but to look up. That time was a time when we were like, man, God, I, I, I have nothing. I lost it all. I'm, I'm broken to the point where I'm on the ground here begging you. And I need you at this moment. That's, that was when you were the most submissive to him. Is when you were at that most critical point where you gave it all and you gave it to God. And he finally said, I'm going to do something in your life. Today is the day it changes. Amen. A loveless church. God desires a relationship with you. He desires you to communicate with them. One of the first things in marriage you'll understand, for those of you who are married or will be getting married or, you know, you will understand that without communication, without speaking and talking about things, things will fall apart very quickly. Because what you think is okay, she may not think it's okay. Or what... She thinks it's okay it's happening here. Like, really? And it's a miscommunication. Your communication with God is just that important. When you don't come talk to God, when you don't study his word, when you don't read the Bible and really ask God, God, what is it that you have in the word for me? When you don't do that, you listen to the other source. And the other source is the one that tells you everything that God isn't. And then you come to God and say, I thought I was doing good. And you find out that there's a miscommunication. Can you put up Revelation chapter 2 verse 5? In case you're thinking that I was kidding about the where you fall in part. I want to show you what scripture says. 
so that you know that this is not something I made up. The word of God says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. And then you know what he says next, Sister Loya? He says, repent. He doesn't say, that's okay, you're excused. I'm going to cover everything. You don't have to come to me. Just keep doing your thing. Live your life to the fullest. He says, repent. Turn around. Turn from your ways. To repent means you, you have to stop and say, man, this is not what it's supposed to be. I need to turn it back the other way and turn from my ways. That's true repentance. He says, and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Can I just tell you something today that repent isn't a bad thing. Repenting isn't like, oh, you're the worst of the world. You're the worst. All repent says that you acknowledge that. But this time I, I want to do my best because I'm serious that I don't want to go back down that same path that put me in this first place. The first uh, that put me in this place in the first place. You know, when you look at the book of Ephesians, uh, you know, the letter of Ephesians that they sent to them. You, you know, I believe that they, they had to come to a point where they said, man, we really got off track here. But I, I need God to know that I, I, I'm going to repent of my ways and I'm going to come to God. Because I know that who he really is. And I want to spend time with him. But the way God's language, his love language is, is you got to bring forth submission to him. You see, the way you go to God isn't, I'm good, I am did this, I'm God, I've worked hard for this. You don't come to God like that. God's going to be like, you, you see my hand? I have the whole entire galaxy in my hand. <laughs> and your little measly microbe of an act you think you're proud of. But they started to fall away and they continued to move it away. But they, God was telling them, it's time for you to repent. It's time for you to turn from your ways. And can I tell you today that I believe that God is speaking to the church. Each and every one of us today, those that are out there watching, those that will know that they are part of the body of Christ, God is saying, we have to turn from our ways of letting culture influence us. We have to be the influencers. Hallelujah. Start influencing this culture, these people. And if it takes a Kanye West to do it, then so be it let him do what he's gonna do because God is gonna do what he's gonna do whether you're with him or not but what he desires is that you would come to repentance and say sorry I messed up I need you to change this that's what Jesus was talking about. He was telling them to turn away, back from, to come back to their first love, come back to the one that loves them, the one that is taking care of them. The reason they had what they had is because it was him. But some of us, I can be real, it happens. We know we come to church, we go through the motions. And because we don't spend time with God as much, we don't really know how he moves how his love language is, what he wants from us. So we come to church, we clap, we walk. When you leave this place, you should be saying, wow, man, God did something and he spoke to me or, or God touched me or that song was so amazing. I could feel God's presence because those who seek the Lord will find him. Those who come to the Lord, the word of God says, a humble and a contrite heart, he will not depart or turn away from. I mean, you come humbly, you come bringing something. God says, I got you. 
But I think our church, not Jubilee per se, but the church as a whole, has become comfortable that it's more about the lights that's behind us. It's more about how big the crowd is. It's more about how, how we want to make people feel good so that they can make it. If that was the case, God wouldn't be talking to a loveless church here in the Revelation. If it was all about feeling good, he would have just left them with the, hey, you're doing really good. I appreciate you. Keep up the good work. But he doesn't. He basically tells them, your focus is on, it's good, but you're focusing too much on that. And you're missing the fact and the point that you're walking away from me because you're so busy doing the things of God. Hallelujah. You know, I, I believe in having real talks, having real conversations. You know, there's sometimes God has a season where the messages are more towards love. Um, sometimes the messages are towards grace. Um, depending on what the Lord has been speaking in my spirit, I know that there is a word. And I believe that very soon you will continue to see more increase of evil, which we already know. Right. But you're going to see it get worse. We're dealing with gender identity issues. We're dealing with confusion of what is the right way for a man and a woman to be together in terms of the traditional way of marriage. We're dealing with the really the where we can protect endangered animals, but we can't protect the unborn. Because political agendas and everything else the enemy's using out there is, is leading people to think that that's okay to protect to protect a turtle. <laughs> but we can't protect an unborn baby yet. Right? You with me? Amen. We have to return to our first love. And, you know, I think we make it hard sometimes. I think we think, like, when we go back to God that we got to sit there and say, uh, God, I don't know how to pray perfectly. I don't know what to say. Just talk. When you pray, talk to God. Just like you're talking to him or you're talking to some, like a person. So the reason I tell you all of this is because the word of God says we love, which means the reason why we love somebody, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whether it's somebody or our family members. You know why we love? Because the word of God says, because he first love. We love in first John chapter four, verse 19 says we love because he first loved. You know, I've heard people say, well, I, I never wanted God's love. It doesn't matter. You don't have to want it. He loves you already. Even though I hate him. Yeah. Believe it or not, yeah, because he sees you because he knows that one day you've decided to give your life to him. It's going to change. But I want to go over something before we run out of time. I, I do want to cover this because I've been talking about the end times, and I've been telling you about the, that the Lord is coming soon. And, and whether it's living for Jesus, um, you know, that you're, if you're focusing on that is the right approach. But if you're not and you're focusing on everything else, you know, I'm, you're, you're in danger. And I will tell you this. Um, go to the book of Matthew for me, chapter 24, verse 37. This is, I want you to catch this because God is speaking to the church. First of all, he says, come back to your love, right? You saw, you read it in the book of Revelation. We just read it. Return back to your first love. Then the second thing he says is repent, turn back around. Okay. We have it up there. Verse 20, 24, verse 
37, Matthew. It says, but as the days of Noah were, so will also the come chapter 17, verses 28 through 30. I'm going to go over and I'll explain it to you. Luke chapter 17, verse 28 through 30 says, Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Genesis 6.13 says that the days of Noah, um, the earth was filled with violence. Last time I recall, we had a, early in September, a pretty violent act that happened here, right? Last time I recall, across the world, Christians are still being persecuted. Violence has increased. And then Jude 1.7 says that in Lot's day, the way that word we're speaking right now, Sodom and Gomorrah had given itself over to fornication and strange flesh. Listen to what I'm telling you. I'm going into this because I need you to grasp something. The same thing that happened with Sodom and what is happening in our country, the United States today. What did the word of God mean by that when it said, had given themselves over to fornication and strange flesh? Meaning that it became so ugly, God said, I got to destroy that city. <laughs> and for God to, say, to say that means that it, it had just gotten so evil. Do you know that? In the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, men were sleeping with animals. It's crazy. Men were with men. Women were with women. Doesn't that sound familiar? Right? Strange flesh. Something that's different. And the reason I tell you this is because the devil's the same. He has the same strategy. It's just a different generation. Which means the same thing that they struggled with back then. Guess what? It's what we're dealing with today. But God is telling you today that you don't have to endure this. He's saying, if you return back to me, if the church can come back to its first love, realizing that I am the reason why, God says, that they have love in the first place, I am what's going to set them straight. If the church comes back, if you can come back to God, your life will be saved. God's desire is not that you would perish, but that you would have everlasting life. You probably think, I, I'll, I'll finish with this. You probably think that, that I'm crazy. Like, you know, pastor's crazy because I was always told God is love and God is love. But he destroyed, he destroyed in the days of Noah. He destroyed a whole nation because they had turned to homosexuality. To turn to all of that stuff that we're facing today. And then another part of the Bible, he destroys Sodom and Gomorrah because it became so evil with that stuff. So let me tell you that God's plan is not that you would perish but have everlasting life. The book of John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. You're like, what is that playing to me? There's a gift that God wants to give you, and it's salvation. And he says, it's free. But to get to it, you got to go through me, God says. You got to go to Christ.
Let us stand. I believe you need to know that we don't just talk about the end of times to scare you, to be like, oh, I'm going to try to scare you into making a decision. And Look, it's just the reality. This world will one day come to an end. Before it does, you have to be the people that are going to go with Christ. We have to be those people that God is going to take. He's going to take it. But before we can even get there, he says we have to return to him. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So maybe you felt today that you're just here because you're going through the motions. Maybe you make it worth it. Come to God and say, I need something today from you, Lord. And not only do I need something, I want to give you my time right now. I want to just spend some time with you. I don't have to know what it takes to be perfect. I don't know how I'm supposed to do it, but I'm just going to talk to you in my, in my mind, and my spirit. I'm just going to start talking to you. And if you have nothing to say to God, then pray for somebody. If you know somebody in your family that needs the Lord, that's been struggling, put them on your mind and start praying for them. Because somebody needs to hear the word of God. Someone needs your prayers, hallelujah. You ever wonder why you survived some things that you shouldn't have? Because somebody was praying for you. Somebody said, protect Brother Monroe. Cover him with the blood of Jesus. Protect Sister Becca. Cover with the blood of Jesus. You hear that. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, I shouldn't have even have made it out of there. But I did. And all God wants from you is to surrender. So I will open up the front. If you don't feel like coming to the front, I don't want to force you. It's not about forcing you to do anything. What I want you to do, though, even if you're in your seats, is I want you to pray to God right now with us. And I just want you to start praying and just say, God, I need a second chance, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Because God is coming soon. Amen. He's coming soon, church. I'm not just telling you that because I'm trying to scare you. And God says, I don't want you to perish. I want you to live an eternal life. I want you to know that I am, says, from even before you were born, in the womb, God knew who you were. God has a name in heaven for you that you don't even know yet, but he has it for you. Already a sign saying, this is your name in heaven. It's not going to be our earthly name, but it will be a heavenly name. Hallelujah. Right there where you're at, begin to just pray to God and say, Lord, I just need you right now. I want to experience your presence right now in the name of Jesus. I want to experience your presence right now, Lord. I want to feel what you have right now, Lord. You've given me a word. I want to seal it, God. I, I, I want to make sure I'm ready for you, Lord Jesus.